Hello, Paul. Welcome, welcome back to the office. How you been? What have you been doing? What's what's happening, my friend? Yeah, I've been doing um, jigsaw puzzles. You know, jigsaw puzzles very relaxing, and oh. you know you can do them indoors and stuff like that. So I've been doing this one for a uh, event Leviathan. It's a event Leviathan puzzle. Oh. Um, it said it was a one thousand piece puzzle, but I actually counted, and there's only um, nine hundred and eighty. So <laughs> I don't know what that's about. That's that's unfortunate. Uh, that must be very frustrating. And look, I'm sure this is going to frustrate you as well. Uh, but Paul, you're referring to my office. It's um, we're out of sessions. Um, I I have to tell you that we can't keep continue meeting until you get another referral from your GP. Oh. So, um, from a doctor. Uh, from, from, yeah, just go okay. visit your, your local doctor, get another referral. My God. Uh, and, um, yeah, then we can continue this session. But, uh, not until then. I'm very sorry. Oh. Okay. is watching the detectives. Ooh, he's so cute. She's watching the detectives. Hello and welcome to DCOCD, the DC Events podcast where we're looking at every single DC event from Crisis on Infinite Earths in 1985 to, well, 2019 and this one, this one, we, this is, we've got a special announcement at the end of the episode but this is where we're up to and I'm joined by some wonderful people. So firstly I have on my left, or is that at your left? On your left. <laughs> on your left. It's, it's Mike Garvey. Mike Hello. Garvey. Hello, Paul. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us for, for for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And upside down on my right, I have Dr. Ange. Hey, thanks, you guys, you guys, for inviting me. It's been a while since I've uh, been on one of your shows, and I'm very excited to talk about this event. Yeah. So we are talking about Event Leviathan. So, uh, yeah, just uh, so if you don't know Ange, he is the Supergirl man of... Uh, the planet so every planet has one supergirl person he is it um yeah fair to say and uh, yeah he does the well it's got the worst name you supergirl blogs <laughs> yeah supergirl comic box commentary uh made 13 years ago and poorly named but uh kept for posterity man you you really needed a knowledge manager when you set that up didn't yeah. you yeah yeah <laughs> anyway <laughs> so Event Leviathan. This is Brian Michael Bendis's first event in the DC Universe. And, uh, yeah, he did it with six issues uh, in 2019. So there's a Event Leviathan miniseries. Um, there were two specials sort of connected to it, one before and one after. Um, it's probably covered by about seven also issues of action comics that he was also writing. Uh, there's two issues of Supergirl connected to it. And there's a Wonder Woman annual um, so, but it's all written by Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, it has art by Alex Maleev, his partner from the uh, Alias days, for those of you who like Jessica Jones. Uh, lettered by Joshua Reed, edited by Mike Cotton and Jessica Chen. So, yeah, it covered all these series. It was, I mean, it really spun out of his action comic run. So if you were reading his action comic run, um, the story made a lot of sense. If you weren't, it doesn't make much sense at all. Uh, <laughs> it's not much of a, you know, hey, jump in and get acclimatized because there's so much build up to it and there's so much uh, 
talking about what happened rather than showing what happened, uh, fair to say. So, Ange, what would you say this one is about in this non-prepared, um, just spontaneous summary that I'm going to ask you to do? All right. Uh, I hope I cover it all, and I'll try to be brief. Um, a being named Leviathan, who has an army behind him, suddenly appears in the DCU. In short order, he dismantles and takes over just about every espionage agency on the world. The DEO, Spiral, Cadmus, Task Force X, the Cobra Cult, all of them. Then armed with their powerful technology, he seems unstoppable. He has access to all of these organizations' knowledge, all of their spheres of influence, now adding their technology to his technology. He uh, basically destroys all of them and threatens to take over the world's information. Along the way, he kidnaps Batgirl, tempts other heroes to join him, and uh, generally uh, wreaks havoc. Realizing that this could be an all-out takeover of the world, a group of detectives, Batman, Lois Lane, The Question, Green Arrow, Damien, the Kate Spencer Manhunter, and Plastic Man, all try to solve the mystery of who Leviathan is in hopes of stopping him. But they have to fight suspicion because they think each one of the others could also be Leviathan. After eliminating several suspects and clearing each other, the team comes to the conclusion that it is ex-Manhunter Mark Shaw. Joined by Lois's second squad of detectives, they have a brief battle in which they fend off Shaw, who has to retreat, opening up the next event, Checkmate. Mm-hmm. So, spoilers there. Yeah. So, you call him Checkmate an event. Uh, that's interesting. Um, so, just before we get into this, Mike, are you Leviathan, just in case? <laughs> Damn it. Um, we'll talk later. No. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not. Not at all. <laughs> just, the, just the Australian sub-branch. I mean... Um, <laughs> No, I am not Leviathan. Um, but yeah, good, good, good summary, and yeah, that that covers all the, the the main points, definitely. And yes, spoiler there for the big reveal at the end. Well, it, it, it's a spoiler if you. I mean, when you say Mark Shaw, most people go who? Um, but you know, someone like me who's been reading comics for you know somewhere nearly forty years, and and you've probably got longer than me. Um, it's not. You know, we know who Mark Shaw is, but Mike, I'm sure you were going, what? Who? Exactly, yeah. I was only kind of uh, in passing familiarity with the name and the whole Manhunter stuff. Um, and to be honest, this was a first read for me. I've only recently read this for this show. Um, so I kind of had things spoiled for me along the way in real time, in the real world. <laughs> so I was kind of like trying to avoid them. And I then, you know, you see things online and you go, oh, okay, that's who Leviathan is. All right, I'm, I'm sure it will have more impact when I get around to actually reading it. And it didn't. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I was kind of like... Oh, okay, he's a big... Uh, oh, Mark Shaw. Wait, who was that again? So, yeah, I'm sure for long-time DC readers... And I've I've sort of been on and off with DC over the past, you know, couple of decades. I'm definitely much more uh, into DC stuff, you know, as of the last few years. Um, and, you know, in my youth, I was much more into all the X books and that. So... I'm sure for people that have, have been reading DC stuff for quite a long time, and obviously the Manhunter books back in the day, they for this for them this would be like, oh my god, it's it's Mark, holy cow! And for me, it was kind of like, oh okay, cool, that guy. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and and doing you know, so it's it, it's probably very rewarding for long time DC readers. For newer DC readers, it's a big um, bit of an anticlimactic reveal. I would I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Now, before we go too much into this, I need to talk to Ange about um, Ange dived into this mystery like uh it was set up like who is leviathan and and went okay i'm up for the challenge and started <laughs> theorizing and his yes. theories were delightful and wonderful and uh he blogged about it um i think brian michael bendis was taking notes from Ange by the end of it uh <laughs> but yeah it, it was stunning and to this day, I still prefer Ange's theory to what actually happened in this uh, miniseries because his has uh, a bigger <laughs> scope and scale and uh, more um, oomph as far as the reveal than uh, what actually happened. So, Ange, do you want to talk about your theorizing and everything um, and just where yeah. you went with that? Because um, I loved it. I loved every minute of it and um, I was 100% on board with where you were going with it and uh, – yeah, it would have been a better story if it had gone where you were thinking it was going. And the evidence is there. Um, there's more evidence for your theory than there is for Mark Shaw, I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because I think that, you know, when we talk about the good bits, one of the things I'm going to say is that anytime there's a good comic book mystery, I think fans love it, right? You know, because you're trying to solve, uh, you know, the, you know, who is behind the, you know, the mask. And, and so I said, I'm up for the challenge. And like you said, Mike, um, if you don't know who Mark Shaw is, no clue is going to make you say it's Mark Shaw. Mm. It has to be somebody that people can guess, right? Um, and so I went into it thinking this has to be somebody that will be recognizable by people who haven't read comics from 1986 or, you know, 1974, whatever, whatever that oh, was. So, so, you know, I, as I would look to the clues, I would say, you know, who – is a recent person who this could be. And I came up with my number one theory was um, that it was Ted Cord. I said, oh, this is going to end right. up being, I said, this is going to end up being Blue Beetle. And I had what I felt was a pretty decent, like, and here are the clues that match up to it being, you know, Ted Cord. You know, he says, I want what you want, right? He's, he's, he has this weird, quippy, funny, little, you know, quirky style of, of language, right? He's not like a, a super serious guy all the time. Leviathan I'm talking about, you know, mm. he says he knows everybody. He knows plastic man. He was on the justice league, right? He's friends with Batgirl. He, you know, he kidnaps Batgirl and says, you and I, you know, we want the same thing. We've worked together. And then throughout, if you look throughout, there is just a crap ton of watchmen like, symbol symbology and imagery in the action books and throughout um, the main miniseries. And so I said, it's too much to just be coincidence, right? There is so much Watchmen stuff here. It can't be Dr. Manhattan or Ozymandias or any of that sort of stuff because Doomsday Clock and all that stuff is happening. So so why would they be putting that in? And then I said, oh, it's almost like a snake eating its tail, right? Like the Watchmen are based on the Charlton characters. And so, like, why not have Charlton characters, you know, adopt these Watchmen-like, this Watchmen-like style and imagery? Um, and so I thought it made perfect sense. So that was what I did. Like, right from the beginning, I said, this is Ted Cord, And every time an issue comes out, I'm going to see if there's anything more 
that will substantiate that as a legitimate guess. But even if there are things that don't substantiate it, I still think that that's who it is. And then the fun thing that I did afterwards was I then said, who else could it be? And I came up with a bunch of things like it could be Ray Palmer, right? Like Ray Palmer kind of fits the bill, right? It could be um, the the new 52 Superman who apparently died, you know, um, but none of those things fit quite as well um, as I thought Ted Cord did. But I was wrong. I still prefer that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, I went everything. I was like, you know, there were these, there's this big bruising guy who seems to work with Leviathan who, like, handles blue energy and, like, mm. makes force bubbles and things like that. And I was like, oh, that's going to be Captain Adam. And then, like, oh, there's a woman who, like, in, you know, impersonated Kate Spencer in one, in one episode, except it turned out not to be a woman. But I was like, that could be Nightshade. It, it could be that Leviathan is basically made up of all of the Charlton heroes that DC brought into their universe. Mm. Uh, I said, and that would be like brilliant because that is like a big threat, a shock, right. You know, uh, a viable enemy for these guys. So, um, so that's it. So even when they said it's Mark Shaw um, and I knew who Mark Shaw was, I was like, but there's no way I would have guessed him because I don't know enough about him Mm. to put these clues together to say that's who it is. Yeah, and I think someone like Ted Cord has has had a bit more, uh, well, uh, as of the last few years, probably a bit more visibility than someone like Mark Shaw, and and that would be yeah. more of a surprise and more of a shock. So yeah, yeah. So you know, I blogged like mad and I tweeted like mad about it, um, and and then I was like, you know, I, I had a tagline. I was like, this time I'm right, uh, and it turned out I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, when we looked at my sub theories, you know, part of it was what does the energy look like? Part of it was who, you know, they kept saying, like, this has to be somebody who's close to us. Um, And so I was like, okay, well, who was at the first thing that happened, which was the DEO building got destroyed. Mm. And for some reason, Adam Strange, like, flew by and rescued people. So I'm like, maybe it's Adam Strange. That would be weird. But there were some clues that fit the bill, right? And then I was like, Maybe it's like Ray Palmer, the Adam. Ray Palmer has been like working with Star Labs and, and was working with the DEO and had recently had an adventure with Superman where he like helped save the world was like slipping into the phantom zone and he was called upon to help. So I was like, oh, maybe he like stole some technology. And that's like what now why he's like ready to make this appearance. Um, so that's, you know, ultimately you know, I, I went deep into all these things, right? The, the new 52 Superman, like, died and disappeared, you know? Um, you know, could it be him manifesting in this universe in some way? Because he was like, I don't want to fight you, Superman. I want the same thing that you do. And I was like, oh, of course he wants the same thing that Superman does. Like, he's Superman, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, right? And so so I really uh, did my best. And I tweeted like Matt. And I did. Th- I do think that ultimately Brian Michael Bendis didn't notice it on Twitter and, and sort of, like, uh, seemed to... To like every so often retweet or weigh in um <laughs> so so that's why when when the end reveal was oh i'm mark shaw i kind of felt a little bit disappointed mm-hmm. you know not only because none of my guesses were right but more because it was like there's no way i could have solved this yeah now because i was so disappointed i then said maybe what i need to do is go back and read all these old Mark Shaw stories to see if had I read them all or if they were more recently in my knowledge, would I be able to put things together? Uh, And it turns out you probably could. But these are stories from 1987, Mm -hmm. you know, 
like 2001, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so it's just hard to rely on that long-term memory for what is truly a minor character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hats off to Bendis in one way for digging that deep <laughs> to, yeah. to come up with someone completely unexpected. But at the same time, it's, it was completely unexpected who Leviathan ended up being. Yeah. And I was kind of watching your tweets and, and your links to your blogs about that, but I didn't want to spoil it for myself yeah. and get too invested. <laughs> I'm like, I know Ange knows his stuff. He'll, he'll be on the right path, surely. And then, yeah, Mark Shaw comes completely out of left field. So I, I respect Bendis for, yeah, digging that far back to find his, his villain. Um, but at the same time, come on, man. <laughs> it's like, yeah. give, give us something that's a shock for everyone, not for half the audience. Or I would say 5% of the audience, right? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I mean, I can remember that the day that it was revealed, somebody actually, you know, there's that um, at the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy, he's like, I'm Star-Lord. And that character was like, who? <laughs> like, so yeah, somebody had that gif and was like, today's Leviathan, right? It's just the guy going, who? Right? Because... You know, you really need to know this. The you know the, the Mark Shaw stories that were like his last appearances were only in the Kate Spencer Manhunter book in the early 2000s. So if you weren't reading that book, you definitely don't know who this guy is. Well, and I loved your theory. I thought it was fantastic, and I think it's it's a better story, and it's more um, it's it's clever, and it it's audacious, and. You know, that would be a really big thing to bring back uh, the Watchmen with the Charlton characters and have them, you know, sort of step up in the DC universe. And, you know, because they don't uh, always have roles, you know, uh, in the DC universe, there's a new Blue Beetle, there's a new question. So giving the OG Charlton guy something to do and focus on and to become this, you know, um, we've had enough crap people that would be amazing so uh yeah I, I love your theory and i'm still disappointed that it wasn't who it was and yeah you're right the clues are there um it, it's it's so funny that they were inadvertent and accidental it's or i mean i don't think there were red her herrings down that line because if bendis had thought of that um way to go he probably would have gone that way or pushed uh, editorial to let him yeah so yeah, yeah. You know, now having gone back and reread all of these Mark Shaw stories, which was sort of like the 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 after product of my obsession with Event Leviathan, was let me go back and read all of the Mark Shaw stuff to see if I was well versed in Mark Shaw, would I know these clues? They are there. He had daddy issues, and you know he liked technology, and he you know had difficulties like maintaining an identity, and he was screwed over by the DEO. So that's probably why he blew them up first. But but he's such a minor character, a a, a character that I've actually come to love, and who because I think he's quite complicated. It just took a little bit of the steam out of the mystery. Yeah. So. All right, let's talk about the big deals of what we did actually get. So, uh, Mike, what do you think were the really big deals of what you read from all this and how it impacted you? Uh, okay, well, to, to get myself prepared for the actual event Leviathan itself, I actually picked up uh, the Superman Action Comics trade Leviathan Rising because uh, I thought, you know, I better prepare myself for it. It's meant to be the, the lead-in for it. And seeing the way Leviathan just takes out all the other agencies so quickly... Um, that was really cool. And like planting the seeds of everything in action comics, that was, 
I really enjoyed that. And, you know, they're traveling around the world. Things like uh, when one of the, the big uh, Leviathan bulky dudes that explode themselves. I don't know if they ever got a name. I can't recall. Uh, when they're in, when Soups and Lois are in London, meeting up with Tiger from Spiral, and one of these big bulky dudes shows up, and Superman, um, you know, grabs a guy and takes him up into outer space to throw the body away so it doesn't explode. That was so cool. That was awesome. Although it's kind of funny that he was in disguise at the time as the character Chaz, who I'm not familiar with. And, and Tiger's like, oh my God, Chaz was Superman all this time? <laughs> I was like having a good laugh at that. Um, so that was really cool. There were some really cool moments with Jimmy Olsen. Um, look, I have to say, I've never really been into the Superman books, but having read Event Leviathan now, I want to read more action comics because um, they're really cool and they're a lot of fun. Jimmy, Ol Anything with Jimmy Olsen is just hilarious. Um, there's a short story where he's in uh, Gorilla City as part of one of the, the special issues um, <laughs> where he wakes up after a night in Gorilla City on his book yeah. tour. That thing was hilarious, uh, and it features Dexter, the Red Lantern cat, because <laughs> um, there's a scene later on where Firestorm Lois in dis is in disguise as Talia al Ghul. Uh, uh, Jimmy has kind of a gorilla suit on, but his head is visible, and Dexter in his Red Lantern gear turn up to rescue Clark Kent, and it's kind of like, oh, go and see <laughs> this Leviathan special <laughs> to find out why. You don't entirely see how Jimmy Olsen ends up in the gorilla suit, but him being in Gorilla City is kind of hints at it. But that, that story with Jimmy in Gorilla City was just hilarious. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, the, the mystery itself in, in Leviathan, them trying to put it together, even though we know that the reveal w wasn't what anyone expected, I, I, I dare say. I think the mystery of them going around trying to, you know, eliminate the suspects from, from the list, that was kind of cool. Uh, and them trying to, to figure out who it may have been. Yeah, it, it was just, it was, it was a good journey. Uh, but I think the final destination for me wasn't, didn't have as much impact as it may have had for other readers. So, but, but yeah, uh, one, I don't know if this is a big deal, but I do question some of the choices in terms of the world's greatest detectives. Um, I've never thought of Green Arrow as a great detective. <laughs> That's never come across to me. Plastic Man as a detective, maybe, but his encounter with Leviathan was just Plastic Man <laughs> being smart Alec Plastic Man. So yeah. that was good. It was cool to see Lois, uh, like, again, not reading many Superman-related books, Lois Lane kicks ass. She was awesome in this. Um, just, you, you know, the way she... And the way she got together a whole other team of detectives. Um, and, and again, I questioned some of the choice of detectives in that group because <laughs> Zatanna and John Constantine, or Constantine, depending on where you are, yeah, I don't quite know about them. But, yeah, just the way she goes around and, you know, asks the questions and, and gets the story. Bits like that were really cool. And, and yeah, a uh, quick shout-out to Michael Bailey. Yes, I, I will be reading more Superman action comics <laughs> after reading this trade. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, lots of lots of different little cool moments. Um, I did love the running joke uh, throughout the action comics, and it, there was one mention of it in the event itself, where um, Superman, well, Clark Kent cannot act. Because there's a scene where uh, he says, oh, they're, they're, there are people waiting in our apartment. They want to kidnap me and, and take me for questioning. 
Uh, and he's saying, oh, I'm just going to act along with it and go along with it. And Lois is like, oh, sweetie, you can't act. <laughs> when you're trying to act, people know that you're trying to act. So, you know, just just go with it a bit more. And he's like, I can act. And it's like, no, you can't now. <laughs> just little bits of humour like that. So, yeah, it was lots of funny little different moments along the way, which I found really entertaining. Now, Ed, you've already mentioned that, um, you know, playing with the mystery was incredible fun for you. What were big deals for you in the story itself? Well, it's funny because you can tell what the high points of this were because my list is almost exactly like Mike's. So um, <laughs> the mystery is is definitely the biggest thing because, you know, it just sucks you in. Um, and one of the things that I liked about the mystery was that um, even the heroes amongst themselves, like, distrusted each other. Like, at one point, they're like, you know, Lois Lane, you're Leviathan, right? And then Steve Trevor, at one point, says, maybe I'm Leviathan. Like, he thinks he himself is Leviathan, right? And then somebody else tells the Green Arrow, you know, you know you're know, you Leviathan. And they go, this is exactly what Leviathan wants, is for us to, you know, be suspicious of each other so we can't. So I liked that sort of running theme. I mean, even at one point they say, maybe Superman is Leviathan. Um, so I thought that the, the mystery and the distrust that it um, inbred in the group who's trying to solve the mystery – um, was big. I thought Leviathan immediately becomes a major threat in the entire DCU quickly, right? Because he just destroyed all of these groups and and really subsumed uh, their agents in the course of like a night. You know, it's it's why would everybody from Spy? There are no dead bodies. You know, why would the agents of Spiral work for Leviathan? Why would the DEO people work for Leviathan? But all of a sudden, he has a massive army. And becomes the one of the biggest threats, um, I thought, um, in the DCU at the time. So, so now there's a new big player um, in the DCU. I thought that was a big deal. I loved the fact that Lois is such a huge presence in this and is really treated with respect by these, you know, super beings. She, you know, there's a there's one episode that begins with the, with they're fighting the Red Hood because they think the Red Hood might be Leviathan and you know Green Arrow has his bow and you know Manhunter has her staff and Lois has her cell phone out because she's just like <laughs> taking pictures and recording things because yeah. that's her weapon right yeah. and 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 she is powerful enough and influential enough and, and strong enough that you know when they said you could be Leviathan I was like you know she could be right so um, so I thought okay. Lois's presence was big and I also did like the B team of detectives as you say because when Plastic Man is on the team, everybody's like, why is it Plastic Man and not Elongated Man? It should be Elongated Man. Elongated Man is a stretchy person who is known to be a big detective. And then he's on the B squad, you know. But then it's like, and Deathstroke is, and Harvey Bullock. It's like, okay, mm. that is the, it, it's the B squad for a reason, I suppose, you know. Um, uh, but I did like the fact that, you know, Lois was smart enough that she was like, I need two groups working this mystery so i'm going to set up two groups so i thought those were the big deals for me mm. and they were vetting each other both the groups which was interesting yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah it's let's talk about what came out of this and um it's interesting because i think a long publishing delay came out of this uh, initially because uh, when this finished there was two things announced it was like we're going to get a, a kate spencer manhunter series and we're going to get a Checkmate series. And the Checkmate series will be uh, fighting the Leviathan full-on. And uh, the Kate Spencer Manhunter series will be the return of Mark Andreco, who wrote the uh, the previous Manhunter series that existed um, about Kate Spencer. So both these things were planned. And then yeah, it's fair to say uh, DC had a bit of internal turmoil. Uh, 
It uh, got purchased by AT&T and then gutted and Dan DiDio got fired and um, they sort of scraped the staff down to the bone and then promoted some people and... Yeah, so some things got uh, put off, and the Checkmate series and the Manhunter series, they were meant to come out last year. Uh, well, uh, COVID as well, I think, did a lot to uh, yeah. DC at the time. <laughs> uh, the Checkmate series is coming out this week, right this week. So uh, we'll finally see the sequel to that. Um, and there was a Leviathan special, which I can't recall the name of. What was that, Ange? Uh, it was like Dawn of Leviathan, something like that. Yeah, something Leviathan like Dawn or something. Yeah, yeah, and that was really setting up, um, you know, these the new checkmate with uh, people being recruited to uh, fight Leviathan. Yeah, these these things were about to happen, and they didn't for a long time. So, it I think it's uh, its legacy and impact sort of got postponed a fair bit. But we're about to see that step up again. So, um, it's hard to say what came out of it. Uh, one thing is Sam Lane, uh, Lois's dad, died mm. again. Um, <laughs> oh what? <laughs> Jeez. Okay. <laughs> I think he got brought back in New Fifty Two. Uh, I think, right. but he previously died in Our Worlds at War. Okay. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, he big... also died in uh, War of the Superman, didn't he? Um, I think he was brought back and got killed in that as well. So. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he died again. So, uh, but this had yeah. a, there was a bit of a touching moment between him and Lois, and mm. Lois told him that uh, Clark was Superman before he died. And if you read the Leviathan Dawn special, it sort of says that uh, Leviathan was doing Sam's plan to uh, uh, mm-hmm. absorb all the agencies, uh, mm-hmm. which isn't in the main story. Uh, we we still don't know what a snowman ticket is. Um, no. <laughs> That is true. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, Sam says to Lois, um, a snowman ticket, just as he's about to die. And everyone's talking about what's a snowman ticket. I Googled it, and it's a way of wiping your butt when you poo in the snow and you don't have anything. Uh, it's what? It's snow. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so that, it's worse than yellow snow, right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> But oh I don't Lord. know how that fits in with the story, but uh, okay. Um, yeah, maybe that'll be like what's behind the door in House of M, where uh, Bendis will tease it but never explain it. So, um, yeah, right. Yeah, and then get irritated when it gets raised. But if I ever see Bendis, I'm going to say, what's a snowman's ticket as often as I can? And um, I hope he doesn't show you a video or give you a live demonstration. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I went places. <laughs> yeah. So did I cover what came out of this, Ange? Is there anything well, else that I've missed? Well, I'll say one thing, um, uh, and that is that Bendis has said that he, when when the Leviathan special came the uh, came out, the, the second one, and then Checkmate was going to happen, he has said DC was building towards something that Checkmate was going to definitely roll into or be part of. But whatever that thing was that they were building to got scrapped. Now, if that, if that got scrapped when Didio got fired or anything else. So he had to – he has said one of the reasons why Checkmate has taken so long to come out is that it was dealing with something huge that was going to happen in the DC universe that isn't happening anymore. So we kind of had to retweak and almost rewrite the book. Um, uh, so, so that is why it has taken – that's another reason why it has taken this long for that book to come out because I think they were ready to roll. 
Um, and so probably had to do a lot of editing. Mm. Yeah, and Leviathan himself, uh, Mark Shaw, he was a big player in the next two arcs of um, the Superman action comics that came out after this story. So, um, And that's all tied up with the, the horrible Year of the Villain stuff. Um, yes. Yeah, and basically he teams up with the... Uh, the Society of Doom or whatever they're calling themselves, you know, the Injustice League, you know, whatever they're calling themselves this time. Uh, he works with them and then screws them all over, basically, because he doesn't believe in their mission, even though he wants a new world order. It isn't, um, you know, to be led by Lex Luthor and predators like him. Right. So, and that uh, that arc, well, just warning you, Mike, it's got some really rough art and you're going to struggle yeah. with it. Oh, it's, okay. it's John Romita yeah, Jr. and it's terrible but one oh. thing that I liked right, one thing that I liked is, is like you say Leviathan all along has said I think the heroes are going to end up joining me because I just want a world where there are no secrets and everything is out in the open and everybody is like equal and fair um, even though I don't know if that's really what he wants uh, so when he teams up with Lex Luthor you're like well that doesn't sound like he wants what the heroes want but then as you say he screws them over royally, which is which uh, made me quite happy. <laughs> yeah, and this is a uh, you know a team with uh, Brainiac and Sinestro and uh, Gorilla Grodd, and yeah, they're all quite impressed by uh, Leviathan's technology and uh, wanting to know how he does things. So. And uh, yeah, but the art, oh, there's some yeah. Gorilla Grodd looks like a you know a yeti drawn like a five year old. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I consider myself duly warned. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, why don't we get into the scoring at this point? So, uh, the way this works, it's been a long time. I'm sorry for the big uh, delay. But the way the scoring works is we have four categories that we score an event on. Uh, they are eventiness, uh, they are writing, art and covers, and the impact and legacy. And we score them out of 10 each. Uh, but because there's three of us and four times ten times three is maths and that's hard, it's, uh, it comes out to 120. But we want to score out of 100 because we're very metric and we want to be neat like that. So one of us will be the semi or the semi. Uh, and on this occasion, it will be Mike and he will have his scores halved once they are totaled. So, all right. Ange, what do you think of the eventiness of Event Leviathan event? Can I say that I think it's an uh, unfortunately an occupier? Are we going to talk about what type of event or no? You can go there, yeah. 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 So we do okay. have uh, types of events. And in the past, I've said there's the fixer, which is basically correcting some problem, like continuity or publishing, etc. There's the occupier, which just gives comics something to do. Um, there's the launcher, which is basically creating or reinvigorating and you know spinning things out. And there's the vanity project, which is where someone gets to do something that you know, scratch that itch that they're dying to tell. So, yeah. yeah. Ange, what do you think about it as an event? Yeah, so I think originally it was probably a fixer because when you rattle off the number of secret uh, shadowy espionage agencies in the DCU, it probably is like 20, you know? And so I've always questioned, like, where does the DEO end and Checkmate begin? Where does Checkmate end and Spiral begin? And so the fact that this was going to wipe all of them off the board, I felt was a little bit of a, hey, this is a fresh start about, like, spy agencies and we're, and we're going to you know, level the playing field a little bit so that it's easier to jump on board and understand. Um, one of the things that I think is a problem about it from uh, an eventiness point of view is that um, because it ran concurrently with that year of the villain stuff with Apex Lex and all that stuff, and 
It also ran concurrently with Doomsday Clock. So these are like three <laughs> mega DCU events Jeez. that in theory are supposed to rewrite the DC universe in some sort of way. It kind of lost its impact, right? You know, uh, so I think ultimately it's an occupier because it, you know, it it didn't match the intensity of metal and all that jazz. Um, and I don't even know what Doomsday Clock is, if it's an event or not, or did it do anything or not? So ultimately, from a score point of view, I think this is really just like a five. It impacted Superman. It's going to bring out this checkmate. Um, it, I hope that, you know, we're going to see if the DEO comes back, it's like a new DEO. You know, if Spiral comes back, it's a new Spiral, or maybe Spiral never comes back. So I do think there are some ramifications to this, but just not as many as I thought. And honestly, I just feel if there wasn't Metal or Doomsday Clock, you could have had an event Leviathan crossover in all these books because almost every book has some spy character, right, that that – involves uh, that goes in and out or or they're technology based and it could be that a leviathan agent tries to steal their tech um but i think it was just lost in the shuffle yeah it was very crowded when this happened and it didn't get room to breathe and it it's really distilled down into the bendis books alone and supergirl really and you know steve orlando had a tiny play with it in the wonder woman annual but you know that one is a red skies crossover in that it's uh, very very minor and you don't yes. need to worry about what happens in it it's basically the equivalent of seeing red skies during the crisis with no other story point going on um okay and mike what do you think of the uh, eventiness of this one i agree with Ange. i'm giving it a five as well um uh, interesting that you you consider it a, a partial fixer because yeah it's an occupier as well i was thinking it was a bit of a vanity project for bendis as well i think he wanted to you know have this big event happen uh that he could create and 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 bring to us but as you've said it was a very crowded time in the dcu <laughs> there was a lot going on and i think uh this would have had a lot more impact if it had been a big proper crossover because yeah Anyone could have been Leviathan, and I think that would have added to the mystery. Hell, look, perfect way to bring the Doom Patrol back. They could have said Niles Calder was Leviathan. Yeah, How cool go. would that have been? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have been he just cool. wants the same thing. He wants, he wants you know, it, it all to be out there. He wants the, the remade world, <laughs> you know? There we go. Slight plug for the Doom Patrol there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, as an event, it yeah, as you said, it only happened in a very few books. Uh, if it was taking out all these agencies all around the world, it would have been good to have seen that um, in the event itself, because you only really see that in the suit, in the action comics issues uh, leading up to it. And then we're kind of dealing with the fallout and more of trying to find out who Leviathan is in the actual event. Um, so yeah, it could have been bigger and had more of a scope if it wasn't for everything else going on in the DCU at the time. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a five. Yeah. I mean, I often think about how this would have been run if it was been done like a decade or two earlier. Like if this had come out in the late 80s or the 90s, they would have had um, a poster of, you know, like 200 DC character and said one of these people is Leviathan and, and everyone would have, you know, poured over it and said, oh, well, maybe it's, you know, and there would have been a lot more red herrings and things like that. But, you know, yeah, it, ha it just has a lot of... It, it's a small cast of characters uh, talking about these global impact things that quite often you don't see them, you hear about them as far as yes. you know, Leviathan did this and Leviathan that. And you would be completely lost if you hadn't read the... Uh, 
the trade that Mike read as the leader because mm. so much of it happens in there. The event itself, I don't feel like it, it sits very well on its own. It, it's sort of it, – it's abrupt and the, it feels like scenes are missing and it feels like, you know, there's no um, – I mean, there are these splash pages with the background, but there's no um, – you know, introductory voice to the whole thing. There's no narration with someone saying, this has happened and this, you know, this we're all freaking out for this reason. It's not very um, accessible on its own, I think. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to join you on uh, Five Island, you guys, and give you another five. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now let's look at the writing. So, Mike, what do you think of the writing of it? I am going to give it a five again. Um, I think there were some bits that just made me question what was being put in front of me um, and, and things that kind of... Like Snowman Ticket, that went nowhere and I was turning pages expecting something to be found or discovered by Lois about what Snowman Ticket is, but clearly that's a plot thread for someone else on another day. Um, there were things... Yeah, uh, things were explained but not shown. Um, and even like the the big final battle, if you could even call it that, with Leviathan, it's kind of told in flashback almost. Um, and yeah, I I'm not a big fan of Bendis's work a lot of the time. I think his best stuff he ever did that I've read is Powers, and that was even that started to peter out for a bit. So I think yeah, I, I feel bad giving it a five, uh, because I enjoyed the action comics issues more. Um, I enjoyed seeing the the start of it, and then I think it kind of petered out as it went along. Um, And and to the, for me, the very anticlimactic reveal as to who Leviathan was. And when you you get down to, to brass tacks, he's essentially just another stock standard villain that wants to remake the world in his image. And we've kind of seen all that before. Um, even though he wants, you know, no secrets and he, he wants a clean slate for the world, it's like, yeah, we've we've been here before. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a bit harsh and give it a five. Right. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about my feelings about it. I, I think, yeah, it's certainly not the best writing I've read from Bendis. I, I would say that's, you know, Alias or Daredevil back in those days. Uh, but... I. I think it's it was audacious, and I, I think I feel like he got uh, screwed over a bit by uh, editorial as far as not getting the scale that he wanted for this. Um, and as it happens, I mean, you're absolutely right. There were way too many architects in the DC universe at this time, and people pushing big stories, and it really got crowded out. So you know, between Year of the Villain and Doomsday Clock, and you know, Metal and uh, you know, dark metal or whatever, heavy metal, whatever it's called. Uh, there's um, death metal. Death metal. There we go. Uh, <laughs> it's it, it sort of got, you know, subdu- subsumed a bit. And I don't think it got the room to breathe that it needed. So I, I don't entirely blame that on Bendis. I think I think it's a seven. But I, I think, yeah, I'll, I'll knock off a point because as a mystery, I pre- I'm pretty convinced it's unsolvable. Um, you know, you can make a guess and then, you know, connect to that guess, but you can't build it from the clues that are there. Like, I don't think having Kate Spencer Manhunter appearing in the series and being a suspect is enough to go, oh, Mark Shaw, there we go. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, it need, needed a bit more build up to get there and a bit more, um, you know, clue laying. And I really, I mean, I, I know you guys mentioned it as a plus, but I, 
don't like the way that everyone pops up and goes, you're Leviathan. And they just, they're so paranoid and they're so, you know, it's like, um, it's in-story paranoia for the sake of it rather than based on, you know, the things that have come before. Like Red Hood is a good guess because he's an anti-hero, um, you know, but, you know, Deathstroke could be Leviathan because he's also yeah. an anti-hero and he does thing, you know, does things in different ways. But, you know, to say, Steve Trevor, you're Leviathan, or Mr. Bones, you're Leviathan, and, you know, Amanda Waller, uh, that's another thing is, like, Amanda Waller's, like, Task Force X gets taken apart, and it's back up and running as soon as they need another Suicide Squad series. Yeah. You know, there's there's no uh, mention of this later, but, I mean, that's an impact thing. So, I'm going to give it a six, I think. Now, Ange, what do you think about it, the writing? So, I'm going to give it an eight. I will say... um, if you're a fan of Bendis, you know what you're going to get and that his strength is really dialogue um, and, you know, interactions between characters. And I think he struggles a little bit um, that he writes himself into a corner with something that's going to be a big action thing um, and then doesn't know how to write his way out of it. Um, so I think that the interaction with all of the characters, the mystery, um, you know, how rapidly um uh, Leviathan takes over and how the clues are laid out. Um, I thought all read very, very well. I was, I was very invested in, in that mystery. I think that you have to take a point off because it's Mark Shaw. Cause I agree it's unsolvable. Um, and I think you have to take a point off because so much of the big action sequences are either told in a one panel flashback. He came in and blew up, uh, you, you know, spiral. Um, and even the last fight, right, which is he shows up and he's like, we are Leviathan. And there is this gorgeous double page spread of like his vast army. Mm-hmm. And then it's like the two teams of detectives show up. There was a fight and Leviathan retreated. And it's like he's got this like massive army. And I get it. Superman is there and Zatanna is there. But that's like the only big guns on these two teams of detectives. Like what, what's Harvey Bullock going to do? So, um, so, I, I, all right. so I think that the overall ending of it where it's, you know, we, we finally get a confrontation and then in a one-page flashback, it's like he left. And now we get to tell the world who he is, um, is a little bit of a detraction. Um, but in terms of keeping me like, oh, my God, I just finished this issue. I want to read the next issue because I like the way these characters are interacting and I want to try to solve the mystery. Um, I think when you get gripped that much by writing, it's good writing. So um, I'm going to give it an eight. Mm, okay. Well, down to the art then. So on the art, I – well, I'm going to be controversial. I don't think that uh, the art is a good fit for this story particularly. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, Alex Maleev has a particular style, and I don't think it's particularly dynamic. And so when you have characters like – elongated man and plastic man they just look flat as in this story they don't move they don't have their uh energy their dynamism their you know like if you draw plastic man you picture plastic man you think of him you know doing weird shapes all the time and spiraling around and you know all this stuff and in this he's just a a flat tall awkward looking guy (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) And then it, then they introduce Elongated Man, who's even flatter and more awkward looking, and it's just it's like a tall weirdo. Uh, you know, and I, I feel like there's this sort of uh, an action step that's uh, that eludes Alex Maleev. I think. I mean, the art 
the drawing of everyone, the way everyone looks is great, and but it's all very noirish and moody and everything, and so it's not suited to action scenes. And I, I just wonder if this event had been bigger, some of the action would have been carried by a different artist in a different story, or you know, uh, some part of it. Because when I think of Maleev, I think of people, you know, sitting in rooms looking pensive with the sun behind them, you know, and I don't think of uh, big fights, action, things exploding. You know, like even when Leviathan blows things up or, you know, teleports things or whatever's happening, it's all very, you know, you look at it and go, well, what am I looking at here? There's a lot of light and color, but I can't really tell exactly what's happening. So um, art-wise, I'm going to give it a seven, but you guys feel free to disagree. All right, I'll go next and I'll say that it's funny because um, with that buildup, I thought you were going to give it like a three. Um, so, <laughs> you know. Oh, no, it's, it's great art. It's just the wrong yeah. artist for this story. No, and, and, and I'm going to, I think that, um, again, most of the story is told with people sitting around tables reviewing clues or people in devastated buildings that Leviathan has blown up looking mm-hmm. for clues or talking to each other. And in those scenes, it's great. And I do think that those there are scenes where, you know, it's there's this weird energy and Superman is trying to push through it, but I can't push through it for some reason. And it's just a kaleidoscope of swirling blues and after images of Superman. And, and I thought that stuff um, all was good. And I do think that still shots like that, I'm telling you that double eight page spread of the Leviathan army with giant ships in the air and troops in the background, um, that all I thought was was stunning. But you're right in that maybe one of the reasons why there was no action is that maybe he's not the best person for action. And even when there are action sequences, like the, the red hood fight where people are like jumping and spinning and, and doing flips and things like that. Mm-hmm. I was sort of like, wait, who is that? And wait, is, did, is green arrow shooting an arrow backwards? Like in one panel, it's very confusing. <laughs> so, so I'm going to give it an eight. Um, I'm a big Malib fan. <laughs> uh, but I agree that um, maybe he wasn't perfect for the entirety of the story. Mm. Okay, Mike, bring the art home. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give it a seven because I actually really enjoyed the art, but I think your, your comments about him possibly being the wrong artist for it um, ring true. Uh, but I, I found that, you know, the scenes where they are skulking around in devastated, you know, um, scenes where buildings are being destroyed by Leviathan... They were really well done, and then the scenes that needed to be bright and colourful, like the final confrontation, or, or even when Talia shows up towards the end, having fired a missile launcher into the <laughs> the, the current bat vehicle, was that was bright and colourful. Um, so, yeah, I, I but you're completely right. Uh, the scene with Plastic Man uh, meeting Leviathan, Plastic Man should be bendy and a lot more stretchy, and not as angular. As, as he looked in that. Um, so, yeah, but uh, overall, I enjoyed the art for it. But uh, And the other thing that got me is that uh, the panel layouts were sometimes confusing because you would start in, on, you know, the left page and then you'd sort of start reading down. You go, oh, no, hang on a minute. I have to go back up top to these horizontal panels and then come back <laughs> down yeah. to the, the second row. So sometimes that threw me off a bit. Uh, but but overall, it, it did, I thought... Malieve did a, a good job, so I'm going to give it a seven for the art. Mm-hmm. That brings right. us to the impact and legacy. So, Ange, what do you think of the impact and legacy at this point, at this stage? <laughs> at this stage, um, I think I'm going to give it a four. 
Uh, I think Leviathan will be a villain. Um, I think that he'll still have an army, um, but I, I agree with you. You know, we've already gone through two Suicide Squad books since this ended, so Task Force X is obviously back and running. Um, uh, so I, I don't know if there will be last the lasting impact of, like, wiping out all of these espionage groups, um, but I think he will remain a big villain, I'm hoping that Checkmate will um, introduce some new characters and that he'll kind of skirmish. I think he's more suited for, like, Green Arrow-type characters and not necessarily Superman. Um, uh, But I think I can't give him more than a four. Mm, Okay. And, Mike, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to give it a five, uh, just to be right on the fence, because... This could have been so much more, but as we've said, it was a very crowded time in the DCU. The the mystery kind of petered out and was a little bit anticlimactic. Um, so yeah, I've and we've got like one thing coming out of it still with with the new Checkmate series. And but yeah, I agree with Ange that Leviathan's going to be lurking around, but I don't think he'll be as big a threat as he was kind of made out to be in this series. So yeah, I'm I'm going to sit on the fence and give it a five. Yeah, it, it it's a difficult time to say what the impact and legacy is. We're, I mean, we're about to get one more series, but it, it hasn't exploded and become the the big thing across the DC universe. And oh. you know, uh, just we've had so many things since then. We've had Year of the Villain, we've had Doomsday Clock, we've had Death Metal, we've had Future State. Now we've got Infinite Frontier. Uh, and I think, I mean, I really want to see Leviathan just as you know ensconced in the DC universe as the you know the the untrustworthy holder of all uh, spy agency stuff, um, you know, but I don't think that fits very well with the Suicide Squad remit at the, at the moment and the fact that the Suicide Squad has to exist because of media tie-ins. Um, so, you know, but I really want to see everyone having to deal with Leviathan for the next, you know, 10 years whenever they're doing anything, you know, espionage related. That would be great. Um and I would like to see Leviathan explain why the Suicide Squad gets to run um, on its own. Uh, but having said that, I mean, I think the DC Universe needs a, a shake-up. Like, Amanda Waller is a character that uh, started off a fantastic character, you know, very... You knew where she was coming from. She was ruthless. She was not cruel. Uh, she did things because no one else would. She didn't do things because she was you know, horrible and mean, like in the Suicide Squad movie where she kills her, all her, you know, aides just because. It's like, you know, Amanda Waller doesn't do that. But she ha- has, you know, gone up and down the uh, the deceitful ladder and, and, you know, she's nasty and she's assembling teams just for the hell of it now. Like, I don't know why the Suicide Squad continues to exist. I mean, I, I thought they are a tool of the government to fight uh, when you want to have deniability, and now they're just a team that exists <laughs> yeah. you know, constantly. And Amanda Waller does, does horrible things because she's a baddie. And, you know, I, I think she's a character they need to either retire or kill at this point um, or reboot everything back so she can be, you know, back where she used to be. Because, uh, you know, it's just tiresome. Like, she's at this point just a villain for the sake of it and you know she's the one who manipulates people and threatens them all the time and all the time you know and i feel like i mean spoilers for suicide squad by tom taylor deadshot got killed recently and you know (gasps) i love deadshot but i'm not upset about that because he's he's had an arc he's had a story you know he's to have him continuously be in the suicide squad does not give 
the character a life. You know, it's he has no growth if that's where he always is. Um, so to kill him, it's fine. You know, I mean, the Suicide Squad can always have some gun guy. It doesn't have to be Deadshot. So, mm. um, yeah. So he, I feel like his story is done, and I'm glad that they sort of ended it, and he got a heroic ending. But having said that, you know, Leviathan, it needs a place to fit. And if it's just going to fit in the Bendis books, I don't think it's big enough. And I, I'm scared that the, it's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the legacy and impact at this point is a five. But it, I, hopefully it'll go up. I really hope it goes up. So that's what I think. Mm. Right. Mm. And a little bit of a Suicide Squad rant there. Let me see that. I'm really looking forward to the next Suicide Squad movie. That looks insanely awesome. Yes. And, yes, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think if you haven't read the Doom Patrol Suicide Squad special, you need to, because mm-hmm. that will matter. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway. Uh, so that gives us all our scores. 59. What? It's 59. It comes to for 59. Okay, let's have a look at the ladder and see where that Oh dear! Mm, okay. <laughs> I'm looking at it now, and um, hmm. <laughs> it's it's not rarefied air, is it? <laughs> no, no. It's it's uh, um the same as brightest day. Brightest day also got wow. fifty nine. Wow! So it's, it's better than brightest day. I feel <laughs> uh, uh, I feel like it suffered because of the time that it came out. Um, so it deserves that score because that's what we gave it, but. I think potential was there for it to be more. Mm. Well, I mean, this is interesting because I think, I mean, a score doesn't reflect how much you like something. It just reflects how important it was um, overall sometimes. So, you know, it, you know, we, I think we all enjoyed reading it um, and we all wanted it to be bigger than it was. Whereas some things we wish we hadn't read. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. But it's not a bad score. It's in the top half. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So it's it's just below Justice League versus Suicide Squad <laughs> and above um, Sins of Youth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hmm, with Brightest Day. Interesting. Okay. Mm. If you want to see where this event fits, go over to waitingfordoom.com and click on the DCOCD link, and that will show you the event ladder for DCOCD, and you can look at it in um, episode order or score order. So, um, yeah, this is our 51st event that we've covered. Um, and that, you know, that's a lot of events and we actually have them all on a ladder. So now with, uh, yeah, 35 different rankings cause a lot of things got the same score. So, wow. Um, okay. So we got some, uh, a very long piece of feedback and it's, uh, about heroes in crisis. Um, and it's interesting. We only got one bit of feedback. So most people I think enjoyed our coverage. Uh, but, but this is from Duffsbender who I haven't heard from before, but, uh, welcome and thank you. Uh, he said, I find it odd that you guys criticize identity crisis for its bad red herrings and plot holes. But when the same, same bad writing occurs in heroes in crisis, you say the problem is just Wally West fans being uncomfortable when bad things happen to Wally. Why wasn't Meltzer's plot holes the fault of Sue Dibney fans? My problem with Heroes in Crisis is that it's a whodunit the audience couldn't possibly figure out because it makes no sense and is inconsistent with the past behaviour of most characters involved. Bad stuff happened to Wally throughout his 250-ish issues, more so than Barry's 250-ish issues, including waking up in alternate realities without his loved ones, but he never once murdered everyone around him and decided to cover it up by framing others. That's not bad stuff happening to Wally. That's editorial choosing to publish stories where Wally does bad stuff. 
Sure, Hal has this character arc himself previously. We'll see if DC ever chooses to retcon Wally's actions as being caused by some alien parasite. I wish when comic editors wanted to get characters off the stage they actually told an epic end to that character's story. I'd love some big 24-issue Wally West finale that put the character in true peril and caused lasting change. They couldn't have had they could have had Wally run off into an alternate dimension searching for his family or intentionally retire after Flash Rebirth rather than what they did in Heroes in Crisis. Heroes in Crisis is the worst of both worlds. I don't get the good ending for Wally and I can't read good ongoing adventures after having invested 30 years in reading The Flash. So, yeah, fair points there, Dustbender. And um, I'm actually on your side more than the, the positive people we had on the show about Heroes in Crisis. I mean, that's one of the things I've always tried to do on the show is not get people who are just, uh, you know, I'm looking for people who disagree with me and like things that I don't like in some cases. So whenever I do a, a podcast on an event, I'm always looking for the people who like that event a lot. Um, so, you know, and Mike and I, we're always seeking out someone who can say, you know, give us the best view of that event. And yeah. I happen to find two people who like Heroes in Crisis more than me. I wish Heroes in Crisis hadn't been published, um, <laughs> but I also wish Barry hadn't come back. I wish Wally was the main Flash of the DC Universe. I wish Kyle Rayner was the main <laughs> Green Lantern. So, you know, that's where I'm coming from. So, yeah, I agree with you. It is rough for Wally's fans. But if you like Wally West, I urge you to read Jeremy Adams' new run on The um, the Flash. It's only three issues in, but it's been a delight. And it's all about Wally, and Barry is sort of like Oracle to Wally in this story. And, oh. uh, yeah, so it's really enjoyable. It's got time travel and wackiness, and uh, yeah, Jay Garrick punched Hitler in the last issue, so that's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so check that out if you want good Wally stories, because they still exist and they're still capable of telling them. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, so Mike, we're, we are at a point where I think we're too close to current continuity to do impact and legacy anymore. I think we've mm. really bumped up against it in this one. We're saying, oh, maybe this will happen. Maybe it won't, but we can't go on at this point. So, uh, we are going to pull the plug on DC OCD for a little while, uh, at probably this stage. At this stage, probably at least a year, maybe 18 months or more. Uh, I mean, I know the the next few events are coming up, but yeah, it's too early to, to really cover them. But what I want to do, I want to go out on a celebration. So, I mean, I love doing DCOCD. Uh, you love doing DCOCD. It's given us uh, an excuse to reread a lot of great stories and, you know, cover all this time of DC Universe. So, uh, and, and some not 40... great stories too. <laughs> yeah. not great. But we've done, you know... Uh, what, 35 years of DC Universe at this point? Yes. Yep. Yeah, in events, you know, mm. going in order, and that's amazing. So next, we will do a next episode, but I want it to be a celebration. So I want to talk about what my favorite events are, because, I mean, a score isn't the same as what the best is to me and to you. So, yeah. you know, you and I have our the ones we love and things like that. I want to talk about that, and I would like to invite anyone uh, who listens? Uh, you know, if you don't listen, it's a weird invitation because you won't hear it. Uh, but you know, please, you can send in an auto file, you can send in an email, you can send in feedback and say what your favourite event is in the DC universe. I, I'm not going to do the Marvel ones, uh, <laughs> but yeah, please let us know what your favourite is, and you know, you can see how it compares in score because its importance may not match how much you love it. And um, yeah, so 51 events, so. Uh, the next episode is, of course, 
episode 52, which I think is a fitting point to stop yes. at this stage. <laughs> yeah. At this stage. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, if you want to send us feedback, you can email at dcocdcast at gmail.com. Uh, waitingfordoom.com is the website where you can leave comments, etc. Um, we're on Twitter at dcocdcast. So uh, find a way to send us something, uh, send us feedback. Uh yeah, and have your say. I'm, I'm, you know, I really want to hear which ones you love, and I want it to be an episode where we we talk about events that we love and you know what our favourites are. You know, maybe we'll do our own personal uh, top three. Mike, you thinking you can? You got three uh, in you? Yeah, I, I think I can do top three. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you for coming, Ange. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Um, I really loved this event, uh, and I really loved talking about it, and uh, I'm surprised by that score, but I'm also not surprised by that score. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. It's been great talking to you guys. Thanks, Ange. And we'll be, you know, we'll be back soon. We're going to do some more podcasts soon, so uh, I expect there's a Gary show coming soon, and we do have another Waiting for Doom being uh, put together right now. So, uh, yeah, we want to do more podcasts, don't we, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> sure, yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Keep it eventful. Thanks. Bye. It's just like watching the detectives. Watching the detectives. Watching the detectives.